Well, once again, good morning. Um, we are really excited to continue our series alive. We are in week five. We are looking at being commissioned. Last week, we talked about being empowered. Uh, Clay did an excellent job with that message. I was over in the kids area working with our youngins. I'm going to be doing that once a month. So once a month, there's going to be somebody else up here. You get to hear a different voice. That'll be good for you. It'll be good for me because I really like those kids. I'm not saying more than I like you. I'm just saying really like them. So we've got, you know, three or four different guys that are capable and willing to preach. And so you'll hear different voices from time to time. But once a month, I'll be over there and someone like Clay will be over here doing a better job than I would have. Uh, so last week we talked about how we are empowered. As so often happens, we are empowered with a purpose. And we have been empowered with that purpose in order to complete some sort of task. And when that takes place, there's an expectation for us to complete that task, right? So let's just think of a scenario. You're at work, uh, you have an idea, or as really what often happens, you're given an idea, right, by a manager or a boss, somewhere along those lines. Let's say that they want you to find a better way to report uh, sales numbers, okay? And then he or she expects you to come up with a solution that will report that information differently than how they have been, that kind of meets all their parameters and does exactly what they're asking it to do. And so um, last week, we saw that we were empowered. This week, we get the task. What is it that we were empowered to do? What is it that Jesus expects us to complete? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. We're looking at verses 16 through 20. So very often referred to as the Great Commission. It says, starting with verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what is the task? It's laid out here quite plainly. We are to make disciples. It's plainly stated. There's not a whole lot of mystery to it. But let's look at what else we can take and what we can learn from this passage. And the first place I want to look is at verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. We've been dealing with this for five weeks that some doubted, right? What were they doubting? At that, we don't really know. We can only take some guesses. Uh, do they doubt that Jesus is who he says he is? Did some doubt that it was actually Jesus standing before them? We, we don't know exactly what they're doubting, and to be frank, neither do I, and why are they doubting in the first place? Shouldn't all doubt have been wiped away by this point? Jesus has resurrected himself. He's shown himself to many followers, many believers. He appears at the exact place in this passage where he had told the disciples previously to meet him, and yet some still doubted. Why? Because after everything that he's done, I don't see it. Maybe you don't either, or maybe you struggle with doubt as well. So what does this teach us about the discipleship process? What does this teach us about evangelism? Something that's very important for us as Christians to learn and wrap our heads around, even though it's a very difficult thing to come to when it comes to understanding. You can't reach everyone. 
You can't reach everyone. We are to go into all nations, right? We are to baptize. We are to teach. We are to evangelize. But you can't reach everyone. What do I mean by that? You have to enter the discipleship process knowing that you will fail if, here's the if, if you see failure as people not receiving the message. It is our job to share. It is our job to evangelize. Every ear that hears our message is not going to think, oh, wow, they're right, right? Every ear that hears our message isn't suddenly going to say, where have you been all my life? No one's ever told me this before. Will that happen occasionally? Certainly, it will. But there are going to be times where we deliver our message and we are rejected. And we have to understand that. Why is it so important? Because that's one of the biggest hangups that people have with evangelism. What if I'm rejected? What if I tell them about my faith and they laugh in my face? What if I bring it up at work and they go to HR? Right? What if I pray in school and somebody sees me do that and then they raise a fuss and all of a sudden I'm in front of the school board and I'm losing my job? And we can all apply this to every situation that we're in. Because... The gospel message to those that haven't heard it is foolishness. And as we continue to progress into the future, however many years or months or days or minutes we have until Jesus comes back, whenever that is, we are progressively going to get into a place where we face more persecution. And we just have to understand that. And we have to be able to wrap our heads around the fact that we aren't going to be able to reach everyone. And sometimes we're going to be persecuted for it. And we need to take that as a blessing, wipe the dust off our sandals, and continue to press forward. Because we have been commissioned. We have been empowered for a task. And that task is to share with the world who Jesus is and how much he loves them. We have to understand that failure isn't someone who chooses not to believe. Failure is not giving that someone a chance to believe. That's when we fail at evangelism, when we don't do it. That's when we fail at discipleship, when we don't do it. If we aren't even trying to take steps, amen. If we aren't even trying to take steps in that process, that's when we fail. That's when we are screwing up. And the bottom line is we can't convince everyone. We can believe it with all our hearts, we can live in a way that shows that we believe it with all of our hearts and there will still be people who see us as foolish and won't listen to what it is that we have to say. You will try to share Jesus with people who will not receive him, but that's not a reason to not try. That's not a reason to not try because here is Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, and yet some still out. Then we get to verse 18, and it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, I really think that this is for the do we have to crap. Do we have to? Right? Go into the all world, uh, go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Disciple them, teach them, do we have to? Just so you know, I'm commissioning you. 
But you need to understand that all authority in heaven and on earth, it's been given to me. Right? This is Jesus telling the snotty children, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Heard that a whole lot growing up. I think my mom meant it. But just in case we wonder who's telling us to do this thing, it's the supreme ruler of the universe. It is the savior of the world. It is son of God. You see, discipleship and evangelism aren't bonus features to our faith. It's not like we have the disc menu that pops up on the Blu-ray or the DVD if you're still rocking them, right? That says like, be saved, don't go to hell, bonus features. And then down in the list, we find like evangelism and discipleship if you have time or if after the movie you're wanting to kill time or whatever else. These aren't bonus features. These aren't if we have time. These aren't if we feel like it. These aren't if we feel comfortable doing it. Right? Because we all struggle with that. I'm uncomfortable. I'm an introvert. I don't really like people. Okay, get over it. Because Jesus commissioned you the same as he commissioned someone like me who loves people and likes to be in a crowd, but also loves to tell people how stupid they are when they're being done. How's the job? But I'm going to see this. Right? This is a commission. It's a command. It's not a request. It's not a request. And so if you are a follower of Christ, you are to be a disciple maker. Christ calls us to be a disciple maker with three action words. I like them. Going, baptizing, teaching. Right? Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Go, baptize, teach. What do we need to understand about discipleship? What do we need to understand about evangelism? Discipleship and evangelism does not have to take place in grand gestures. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Another thing that we have to wrap our heads around, because we hear evangelism and we read this verse and we automatically think, mission trip. I need to go to Africa. I need to go to Thailand. I need to go to Mexico. I need to go to South America. I need to go places that aren't here, right? I have to go in order to fulfill this command. So we think mission trips, we think travel, we think special causes. But here's the thing, it starts right here in these four walls. You don't need to go any further to practice evangelism and to practice discipleship. Doesn't have to happen. Almost weekly for the past month, and I'm, in a way, you'll never hear me say this again, but in a way, as a pastor, I'm slightly glad that everyone here knows me and calls Crosspoint home. This is the first time in about a month and a half that we haven't had a visitor. And I'm glad that we don't have a visitor because I can just talk to you how I want. I can just be as plain Jane as I'd like to be. Every week we have visitors. And I'll go introduce myself when they first walk in. And then I'll come up here and during connection break, I sit and watch. And I sit and watch and I think to myself, who's going to go say hi? In most weeks, it's no one. 
until I go up to somebody and say, hey, can you go introduce yourself? Connection break happens. And we all get in our little pods and we gather in our areas and we're shooting the bull and we're having a great time and we're talking with one another. That's a blessing. Is that a completely bad thing? No, it's not. Because it shows the tightness in the relationship that we have in our church. It's one of the things that makes Crosspoint so special. That I think we all like one another. I could hang out with anybody in this room and have a great time. That's not necessarily uh, a marker of a great church, but I do think it's something that makes Crosspoint strong. Right? I'm not saying that there aren't dissenting opinions. I'm not saying we don't have different viewpoints. I'm just saying for the most part, I think we all like one another. And that's fantastic. Until we have somebody who's never been here before come in and try out our church and they get left alone in their space. And the only person that talks to them is the pastor. And in their minds, they're thinking, yeah, well, he has to do that. He's the pastor. And they come and I say, hey guys, we'd love to have you come back. And in the past five weeks before this, we've had a visitor. You know how many have come back? Zero. Big, fat, bold, uncomfortable, makes me want to cry, zero. And I think there's a direct correlation. Because there are times when people come in and we do a really good job of making them feel welcome. And I know that because there's testimonials all over this room that said, hey, when I came to Crosspoint, you guys took me in right away. You made me feel welcome. You made me feel a part of the group. You made me feel like I belonged. I'd go to other churches and they didn't say a word to me. But we have as many testimonials on the other side that people who could come in here and say, I came to Crosspoint. I liked it well enough. The music was great. The pastor was in. But nobody really talked to me. Nobody really said anything to me. So you don't have to go to Africa to begin the evangelism process. It starts right here in these four walls. You never know someone's story when they enter this building. You don't know if they're saved. You don't know if they've been in church their whole life. You don't know if this is the first day that they have ever walked into a church because they are so desperate and they just want to try something new and they're just looking for hope and they completely missed it because they came in here and they were ignored just like they were ignored everywhere else. Are you uncomfortable? Because you should be. Are you a little upset with me right now? You think I'm picking on you? Maybe I am. Because it's time we all wake up. Church is not about what happens with us here in these four walls. It's about what we do with what happens here with us in these four walls and how we take it out into the world. Am I clear on that? I am not saying that what happens here is not important. My best friends in the world attend this church. People that I will be friends with for the rest of my life attend this church. Jimmy Dean can call me any minute of any day and say, hey, I need you. I'll be there. Because I know he would do the same for me. So understand that I am not discounting what happens in the relationships that we build. But I'm just telling you that if we are not turning that in to a world-changing power, into a movement that reaches Republic and all the different places that we go, we are missing the mark. And we are not doing what has been commanded of us. And we have to fix it. 
We have to fix it. I love you. It's a smile. I'm going to make every one of you hug me before we leave today. You need to understand that Jesus isn't necessarily asking you to go to the other side of the world. Yes, he may call you to do that. He may call you to go on a mission trip. He may call you to be a missionary to a different country. He may call you to be a missionary in the republic. And everywhere you go, you have an opportunity to go and to baptize and to teach and to make disciples. I'm not necessarily saying that you're going to baptize somebody in the toilet at work, right? Probably not the best environment. But the process starts with building relationships. The process starts with being real and open about your faith. That's what evangelism is. That's what discipleship is. And so you go to work, make disciples there. You hang out with friends, make disciples there. We should always be looking for the opportunity. And in verse 20, Jesus says something so poignant, so powerful, so important. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You see, Christ leaves us with the encouragement that he will never leave us. And so you are not alone in this process. I know how scary it is to talk about your faith with people. Those of you that don't know, I am a people person. I do love people. Voted most outgoing in high school, can make a friend with anybody, can find something in common with almost anybody. I really do love people. I like meeting new people. I like serving people. I just like people. But sharing my faith, even as a pastor here on stage, being recorded and projected out and everybody knowing what job I have, I still have fear about sharing my faith. Because what if I'm rejected? What if they laugh at me? What if they tell me I'm stupid? What if they don't like me after this? What if they tell me I'm stupid? I lose my temper and I say, I'll show you stupid. Right? It's not an easy thing to do, and yet we still have to do it. And we need to know that we're not doing it alone. Christ brought the Holy Spirit to his disciples and empowered them for a reason. To go and make disciples, yes, to go and evangelize, but that gift of the Spirit was left with them. The Spirit is with us. So Christ may not be physically here, but his Spirit remains. His teachings remain. His empowerment remains. So you need to know that you're not alone in the quest, and you are not alone in the responsibility. That's another important thing for us to wrap our heads around. Because sharing our faith is weighty. It feels like a major responsibility because it is. It literally has the power to change someone's eternal destination. To change someone's soul. To turn their life from heading straight to hell to making it to heaven. But we are not alone in that responsibility because why? We can't save anyone. We don't save people. We lead people to Jesus. We make the introduction. He saves them. So you need to understand that that responsibility is not on you. The responsibility to go and tell is, but you don't hold someone's soul in your hands. You don't make that judgment. 
That's Jesus. We're simply introducing them to Christ, and then we are going on that journey together. That's what discipleship is. It's going on the journey to becoming more like Christ and learning more about Christ together. That's why we do things like the gathering. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings so that we can discipleship, be in the discipleship process with one another. Right? We can stand along one another and help move each other forward. The last thing I need us to understand, we cannot underestimate the importance of the command given to us. We cannot overlook the fact that these words were Jesus' last address to his believers. And they carry the weight of his final instructions. The gravity of this speech would have been this teaching, this time together. It would have been monumental to his followers. If they hadn't got it yet, they were going to get it. Now, his promise to be with them covered all time. It was eternal. I will be with you to the end of the age. His claim to authority over heaven and earth commanded their allegiance, just like it should us, just like it should ours. And if it was this important to Jesus, then it should be that important to us. We should desire to go. We should desire to baptize. We should desire to teach. It's evangelism and it's discipleship. And we must make disciples who make disciples because Jesus desired it to be so. And so it should be. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. And first and foremost, Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to praise you for another opportunity to be in your house with people that I love, worshiping you and dissecting the word with them. And God, I, I pray that in this time, you not let us leave this place unaffected. You not let us leave this place unchanged. Convict us of exactly whatever it is that we need to be convicted of so that we will change our ways to focus on evangelism and discipleship. There are so many people in this church, God, I know that are sharing their faith every single day, that are building relationships, that are trying to lead people to walk in a path that is righteous and godly, that are inviting people to church and, and really have the desire to see lives change because of what you can do in those lives. And it would be naive to think, God, that there are not some people in this church who avoid this commission, whether purposefully or unconsciously. God, I pray that you convict those of us that see an opportunity to share, that see an opportunity to disciple and pass it over. Because at the end of the day, 
you made yourself alive so that we could all live life that only comes through Jesus. And how selfish and how evil of us to not share that life with the world around us. Give us your eyes, give us your heart. Give us your feet and give us your hands. May we be Christ on earth for others to see. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to be standing right down here up front. I'm going to turn my mic off. I'm going to mask up. And if you need to pray with me, come do so. If you would like to use the stage as an altar, by all means, it's yours. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and how to begin that process, now's the time. Now's the time. June 6th, I believe I got that date right. We are going to have a baptismal service. If you have not been baptized before, but you are a Christian and you want to make that statement of faith, you want to say, I do believe, and you want to show it to the world, that's the day to get it done. Come let me know. Otherwise, let's just stand and let's lay everything out on the table and worship the God who is in this place.